An Ottawa conference center canceled a right-wing event booking for, quote, hate speech. The NHL's selective theme policy has left fans and commentators shaking their heads. The vast majority of Canadians believe that the housing crisis and Canada's crumbling healthcare system are fueled by high levels of immigration. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, November 30th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Lindsay Shepard. And I'm Isaac Lamoureux. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. One day before the event was set to happen, the Ottawa Conference and Event Centre cancelled a booking for a November 29th speaking tour stop featuring German Member of European Parliament Christine Andersen and Dutch activist Eva Vlardingerbroek. Anderson is famous for giving a speech in 2022 where she told Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to please spare us your presence during his visit to the European Parliament. And Vlardingerbroek is notable for speaking up for Dutch farmers when the previous Mark Rutte government tried to expropriate 3,000 farms to meet climate goals. A November 28th email sent from catering director Claudio DiNardo to the event organizers read, quote, Today, it has been brought to our attention that your event features two speakers, Christine Anderson and Eva Vlardingerbroek, commonly associated with hate speech and beliefs that are antithetical and completely unwelcome to the OCEC, its management, employees, and others who use our conference and event center. The event organizers ultimately held the event at a different venue and told True North that a good number of people signed up after hearing of the cancel culture attempt. Among the other featured speakers at the event were Save Canada activist Josh Alexander, a former Catholic high school student who protests gender ideology in schools, and Pastor Henry Hildebrandt, who is known for his defiance of COVID-19 lockdown rules. Previous tour stops in the Greater Vancouver, BC area at Westwood Community Church and in Winnipeg, Manitoba at the Metropolitan Entertainment Center went on without a hitch. Anderson will be also stopping in New York City tomorrow, December 1st, and Bridgewater, New Jersey on December 4th. You know, Isaac, I'm not entirely sure what the venue meant by hate speech, because if you look into it only briefly, you'll see that Christine Anderson and Eva Vlardingerbroek do not spout hate speech. So why does it seem like more and more Canadians, particularly on the left, of course, are intolerant of other opinions and views. Yeah, Lindsay, I'm not even sure the left knows what it means by hate speech anymore either. It's one of those buzzwords like extreme right that left-wing zealots appropriating cancel culture used to label anyone with thoughts that they dislike. Intolerance is something that is accepted and maybe even encouraged in some left-wing discourse. You just need to look at the left-wing media and see the language used. Speaking of intolerance, uh, it reminds me of one of Trudeau's greatest quotes, where he said, quote, We are going to end this pandemic by proceeding with the vaccination. There is still a part of the population fiercely against it. They don't believe in science or progress and are often very misogynistic and racist. They take up some space. This leads us as a leader and as a country to make a choice. Do we tolerate these people? Yeah, that's a classic one for sure. 
you know, with this event, you know, Christine Anderson and Eva Vlardingerbroek, they're on tour. So last weekend, I went to their event in the Vancouver area, and the one in Winnipeg went on without any trouble. So I don't know, maybe there's something about Ottawa in particular. And it's funny, one of the things that kept coming up at that Vancouver event from many of the speakers is that we have a crisis of courage in Canada. So not enough people are courageous. And then, you know, here we have the Ottawa Conference and Event Center, the second they get an email or two from trans activists or what have you, they instantly cancel the event. It doesn't even occur to them to even examine the claim that Christine and Eva spout hate speech. Because like I said, when you look into it, they don't. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, that they may have just even received one or two emails, but they're so scared, I guess, to stand up for what they believe in that even one email could cause them to cancel the event. Although funny enough, this may have actually helped participation eventually at the event, given the added publicity that came from this. Do you, do you think that it did? It may have, but I don't think we should ever justify it happening. And, you know, the, the organizers, or not the organizers, but, you know, the people who work at the Ottawa Event and Conference Center, it's not necessarily that they even have to agree or like Christine Anderson and Ava Lardingerbrook, but it's that they just have to have the will to say, yeah, let the event proceed, even though I may not agree with what those speakers say. You know, it just seems like in Canadian culture, no one is willing to take that position. Yeah, I can't imagine that in a, in a strong culture, you'd agree with every single person that ever speaks. That, that just doesn't seem very likely. Hockey fans and commentators have questions about the National Hockey League's specialty jersey policy after Minnesota Wilds goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury decided to wear a custom mask on Native American Heritage Night to honor his wife's heritage. After Fleury, his hockey team, and his agent shared the unique design to X, formerly Twitter, the NHL said that wearing it would violate the league's rules. The custom design mask created by Cole Redhorse Taylor featured quotes of Fleury's dad on the back and had the names of his children. The NHL informed Fleury that he could not wear it during the game or during warm-ups. Not only did the NHL threaten Fleury with fines, but they also threatened the Minnesota Wild with an additional significant fine. Despite the looming threat, Fleury wore the mask in warm-ups. He served as a backup and did not play during the game. A source told ESPN that no punishment is expected for Fleury disobeying the NHL and wearing the mask despite their multiple threats to sanction him. In June, the NHL implemented a new policy prohibiting teams from wearing specialty jerseys during warm-ups, practices, or games. This policy was further extended to uniforms, gear, and covers themes such as pride, military appreciation, or ethnic heritage nights. In October, the NHL revised its initial ban on pride tape. Lindsay, what is the point of this policy if the NHL continues to backtrack on it and doesn't enforce it? Are they just trying to appease everyone? Well, also, what is the point of having Native American Heritage Night if the players aren't allowed to participate in it? I don't know if I'm missing something, but what's the point of having that if then displays of Native American heritage are not welcome? The NHL, you know, they'll probably keep having these issues by trying to avoid controversy. They're creating controversies. Um, you know, already Pride Night has been in the in the news numerous times. Um, but, you know, maybe they have other reasons for taking a standardized approach to the uniform. I don't know. But, you know, it does kind of beg the question, if Indigenous-themed gear violates the rule, do we need to take a look at the Canucks jersey or the Blackhawks jersey for being Indigenous-themed? Well, yeah, and just to clarify, Lindsay, this obviously is in line with their 
pride ban as people labeled it, but they were basically saying we're still going to have pride night. You just can't wear any pride gear during warmups as, as, as players initially did because Bettman said that this was a distraction and they wanted to focus on the game. But obviously with all this added drama, disallowing players from wearing this gear, they're, they're, they're actually causing more of a distraction than they would have had they not. And we've seen uh, this controversy in other leagues as well. Uh, obviously, teams have even gone so far as to change their names. The Cleveland Guardians were formerly the Cleveland Indians. The Washington Commanders were formerly the Washington Redskins. And in my city, in the CFL, the, the Edmonton Eskimos, of course, became the Edmonton Elks, which was this whole other controversy. So now it comes down to where do we draw the line? Do we have to change everything about the league on a yearly basis so that it stays up to... Uh, topical standards i suppose like what do you think the answer is here honestly i think um having a team name called indians and redskins maybe it is appropriate to change that (laughs) that's like a whole whole debate but i think a lot of us we know the line when we see it a new leger poll suggests that the vast majority of canadians believe that the housing crisis and canada's crumbling healthcare system are being fueled by high levels of immigration The poll was conducted between Friday and Sunday and found that 75% of respondents agreed that Canada's high level of immigration was adding pressure to the healthcare system and the housing market. Additionally, almost two-thirds of respondents, or 63%, said that the quantity of newcomers was an added strain on Canada's education systems. However, the poll also revealed that Canadians see some benefits to higher immigration as well, with about 75% saying that it contributed to the cultural diversity of Canada. A majority of respondents, 63%, also said that they believe the arrival of young immigrants helps the workforce and contributes to the tax base, which in turn aids the older generations. The survey highlighted the current mixed emotions Canadians are feeling when it comes to the effects of immigration on the country. As the country struggles with affordability and access to public services, there has been a shift in the public sentiment towards immigration. Canada's population grew by over a million people last year, including 607,782 non-permanent residents and 437,180 immigrants. Canada is on track to welcome 485,000 new permanent residents in 2024 and 500,000 in both 2025 and 2026. This number does not include temporary foreign workers, asylum seekers, or international students. Isaac, 75% is an overwhelming number of Canadians. So, you know, something I've been chasing is why aren't the Conservatives more vocal about Canada's immigration crisis? It would seem that they have the majority on their side now. So why won't they present their own immigration levels? Lindsay, I'm not entirely sure why the Conservatives won't draw more focus towards immigration or, frankly, uh, other matters outside of their main talking points. Obviously, the Conservatives have been campaigning over cost of living and Canada's housing crisis. This has clearly helped them flourish in the polls. However, our ridiculous immigration levels are definitely contributing to our housing crisis. So knowing that Canada grew by over a million people last year, as you said, uh, our houses are already unaffordable and are in shortage. And I'm frankly, I'm even surprised that only 75% of Canadians believe that high immigration levels are fueling the housing crisis because I thought it would be even higher. Obviously, immigration is one of the many factors fueling the housing crisis. 
and while I don't know why the conservatives haven't jumped all over this, do you think it's because if Poilievre criticizes immigration, then all these new immigrants will vote for Trudeau? Like, how many immigrants will Trudeau have to bring in to make sure he wins the next election? Yeah, I mean, I think Poliev and the conservatives, they, yeah, it's just too sensitive of a topic for them. And I see actually a lot of conservatives defending how the conservatives won't release their own immigration plan. And they say, you know, we don't want them to be attacked by the left. We don't want them to be attacked as racist or anti-immigrant. So it's okay. They don't have to release their own levels. But, you know, that's not how it works. When you're a political party and you're trying to get votes, um, you have to present a plan. You have to be honest with voters about what your plan is. Um, I don't want it to get to, you know, voting day and I don't know where a party stands on an issue. You know, that that's not how it works. But, you know, okay, so 75% of respondents agreed that Canada's high levels of immigration were adding pressure to the healthcare system and housing market. You know, 75% of Canadians are right, and they understand the basic dynamic of supply and demand. But then we have this other figure, 75% are saying that immigration contributes to the cultural diversity of Canada. You know, I'm sorry to say, but if you actually question people on what they mean by this, like what do people mean when they say they want more cultural diversity in their community and they love cultural diversity? A lot of the time, they just mean they really like ethnic cuisine and they like having different restaurants with international cuisine in their town. It really does come down to that for a lot of people. It really is that shallow. Yeah. And as for the plan, I don't know. You could just present the plan. It's not like you have to follow through with it. Think of all the promises Trudeau made. I'll build X amount of houses. He's barely built any. I'll plant billions of trees. Yeah, he's barely planted any. Like, you know, at least just say the plan. It's not like set in stone. Well, <laughs> I, I would kind of disagree with you there. I'd say if, if they're going to, if the conservatives present a plan on immigration and, and they say they're going to lower immigration numbers, they they have to stick with it. You know, in the UK, the conservative government presented immigration levels and didn't stick with them at all. And it, it doesn't make people very happy when they do that. But there is one thing I want to point out here with this story that is very important, because 63% of the survey respondents said that they believe the arrival of young immigrants helps the workforce and contributes to the tax base, which in turn aids older generations. This is debunked. Um, studies, for example, out of the UBC Vancouver School of Economics have said again and again that working age immigrants age as well. They don't stay young forever. And they also bring with them dependents like older parents, older sick parents, and spouses that age as well. So um, bringing in people in that, you know, 25 to 54 age group, it doesn't help the age demographics in Canada. And that is totally a misconception and a lie. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, the Andrew Lawton Show will be live today at 1 p.m. Eastern and ratioed with Harrison Faulkner will be up at 6.30 p.m. Eastern as well. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.